Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music. We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives. That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes. Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Ciao everyone and welcome to the third and last special episode of Synesthesia Season 1. If you've been following our show since last October, you should know me by now. But for those who are playing it for the first time, I am Enrico and today, for once, I won't be hosting the episode. I'm here with Laura Maronju, an Italian music journalist and writer based in London, who's going to take over the microphone to talk about a super fresh band and their brand new record. And now I'm gonna let her introduce our guests. But first, ciao Laura, come va? Hi Enrico, I'm, I'm good, thanks and thank you for inviting me to co-curate this episode of Synesthesia. As a closure for this season, I chose an album that invites us to look ahead. It's called Quale Futuro, that in Italian means what future, and it is Kloski debut LP. Kloski is a London-based band and they entered the studio to record this album in late January 2020, so basically before everything fell apart. What future do we want is the question that the band makes after the gloomy past year and a half, but not only. It is a political album that has a poetic accompanying vision about the recent past, about the present and the future, about the music community and about society. It tells a story of frustration, of personal daily struggle, but also a story of faith and utopia. This vision lies both in the music and lyric, but also in the powerful artwork by Harry Steele. So we are here today to talk about it from a political and of course aesthetic point of view. To do so, I would like to introduce Miki, Kloski voice and guitar, and Harry, graphic designer and video director. Hi guys, how are you doing? Hello. Hey. All good. Good, thanks. Thanks for being with us. Uh, thank you for inviting us. So Miki, let's start to talk about the record. Quale Futuro is a politically charged album, I would say a manifesto, and the title itself is basically a declaration of intent. Can you tell us more about the concept behind it to which the visual identity is deeply related. The main thing we were trying to tell with this album, what the songs are mainly about, is the way capitalism affects us on many levels, from jobs, economy, you know, the, the society, but also to a more personal level as well. What we noticed and what we've been reading about in the past years was like how capitalism is also affecting our personal relationships. You know, there's this risk of seeing friendships as networking or feeling the pressure that you always have to monetize your hobbies, for example, to the point that even the perception of yourself is changed. Sometimes you feel like the job you're doing is the only thing that defines who you are. The album is mainly about this, but at the same time, it's also about looking for an answer and something that we could do to tackle these issues. The main idea we, we were trying to communicate is that it's possible
possible maybe to overcome this only through community and solidarity opposed to individualism and profitability. Maybe that's how I would sum it up. I think it's very important and relevant and I really relate to, to what you say about also personal relationship. Considering this concept of the album, can you recall the aesthetic suggestion that made you develop the ideas for the visual identity, Nikki? I think it was very natural and then I think Harry will tell about it later better. But before this record, we, everything we made was black and white, for example. It all started like the, you know, like the cover, because we saw some of Harry's like images that he was posting online. And there was this particular one that was actually red and black. I don't know, we just thought it was amazing, just beautiful, you know, like in that way. And so we just approached him saying like, okay, we would like something like that. I really love what he came up with because it's so in line, even if it's very different from everything we had before, is so in line with it and with um, the idea we had. We always like to have body parts in every, you know, cover or anything we did, even t-shirts, like eyes or hands, always like kind of abstract from a contest, like so there's no face or there's a face, but maybe with no eyes, that all that kind of stuff. And what he did on the cover is amazing because it's all these eyes like kind of piling up. When I saw it and I thought about what the record was about, you know, about community and that, <laughs> Imagine all these eyes, so all these different people kind of trying to be together, but also at the same time in a very daunting like scenario. So around the eyes and body parts and colliding. The main influences for us are probably two. They are both French actually. And one is Claude Cahun, which is a, I think one of the first non-binary artists in history. They were active around the 20s and 30s they were very marginal in the surrealism like movement and the other one is Man Ray both these artists always use a lot of body parts or very detailed you know kind of like frames and stuff so yeah um, so yeah Harry how did you develop this initial brief the relationship that we had started in I think it was like late 2019 I think Mickey was it when we did the, uh, yeah. the live animation yes so the band came to me first off and we did a a live animation, like a 30 minutes kind of piece that it was all black and white kind of geometric shapes. It, I was mainly influenced by Aldo Tambellini and kind of Namjoon Paik and those kind of video artists. And like Mickey said as well, there wasn't any kind of real brief, but it was much more of a kind of trust in my gut and me trusting them because we've had this previous relationship already built up. So a lot of it was Mickey and Cece sent me a couple of my old pieces, like Mickey says, and they had featured body parts. So I instantly thought that's the only thing that I know that I want to use and the rest of it, I kind of want to trust my instinct and go with it because I feel like a lot of the time if I think about work too much or if I try and plan something too far like in advance it can really kind of fog my brain up a bit so I thought if I can just kind of get some ideas straight onto a document and then kind of work from there that's the best way for me to work for it and like Mickey said as well you've kind of got the eyes that are all part of uh, if you're using it in kind of like a community scenario you've got the, all the different eyes that are separate but they all come together this kind of larger piece that creates something bigger which was really kind of the aim for the project I think How would you position your visual art practice in respect of the stylistic references of the album do you think they're in line or 
do you think that you made something very different this time? It was something different for me, because to me personally, it was like you mentioned about lockdown and COVID and all this kind of business. This was the first piece that I made once I quit my last job. So I was like, I'm going to dive headfirst into this. I want to make something great. And at that time, I just started really diving into the surrealist movement. So getting involved with looking at work, like you said, with Man Ray and kind of Andre Breton and all these kind of people. So I really kind of wanted that my work to inform that. And I think one of the pieces that Mickey used sent as reference was a piece that I'd made. It was a collage. And on, on the collage, it had a shot of the eyeball getting sliced open by a razor blade from Unshen Andalou. Obviously, an iconic, iconic bit. But I wanted to use that because that kind of idea, the work from those people was so uncensored and kind of so raw that I felt that that reflected well in the music. So I really wanted to follow through with that. Please let me to the next question that was about your work as a video director. Are the two practices, so the videos and the graphic design, in dialogue with each other? And if yes, how? If I try and think about projects too much, it can often get a bit overwhelming and it kind of leads me to struggle a bit. And I think a lot of that stems from, I used to go to art classes back in school when I was in like 13 and 14. And we never really encouraged kind of experiment outside the realm of just drawing pictures of just drawing faces and buildings realistically. So I never thought that I kind of had a place in art because I couldn't necessarily draw someone's face perfectly. But when I kind of delved into the world of surrealism and abstract expressionism and stuff, I kind of understood the idea of like automotive work. So just cutting out the middleman and just going straight from your brain onto the canvas or onto the your Photoshop document or whatever. It kind of really eliminated the outside influences that I was kind of getting or this kind of the doubt and the, all those kind of things. So reading about those kind of people that kind of had the idea of you just let your brain do the work and just put it on the canvas and you can change it afterwards, but just letting the brain do it first has always been something that's been formative in my work. So I always try and carry that on in anything that I do, whether it's designing or videos, because you can always just add something on top of it if you don't like it or change it. I just like getting work down straight out of my brain before it gets a chance to think about it and doubt myself, really. Miki, in your musical practice lies strong idea of community and but also in this relationship with Harry, you reunited a group of artists and people that gravitate around the music industry to realize a fanzine that comes together with the record. Can you tell us more about this project and maybe name a couple of interesting visual artists that were involved? We finished the album and actually the, the title came after we finished the album because looking back through the songs and, and kind of like realizing that you know, it was like a quite a compact, complete walk all together was like linked between each other. And we found like, I don't know, these, these title and these question like was kind of across all the, I don't know if we actually like realized that why we were recording it, but the album begins with a question, which is what politics is about. And, and then finishes with another question, which is what future? like the two songs, the beginning and the, that was the idea. But then we were like, we don't know, like what future do we want? I don't know, the only thing we managed to think as a solution to look at the future with some kind of hope was like having the people around, the people that are in the same struggle as you are. That's how the, the idea of a zine came to us. We asked to a lot of friends and artists to think about that question, what future and what the future we wanted and what role they thought 
them as artists and we as a community of artists could play for you know for our community and for the society and very big questions and and that's how we involved everyone and it was it was just amazing like the response we had because we have like more than 20 artists on on the zine but there are so many others that that were involved that maybe didn't end up making something for the zine but we had like conversation with them and and it was just amazing like feeling like this sense of community this sense of not feeling alone not being like of course because it's quite scary if you if you look at the future and with everything that is going on and now that we kind of like restarting like i don't know i'm so afraid and i was and i'm still so afraid that we're just going back to what was normal before but i kind of don't want that because in in a way that would mean that all this shit what we've been through the past two years was for nothing that's how we started this zine and it's amazing there are amazing people uh, on that i really love as usual what my really uh, dear friend Irene that goes under the name of Mara Sapilo did then there's Fragots from Cobra amazing band from Milan he did like this piece that is amazing called Rock Friends oh yeah there's like this friend from Bologna uh, Andrea De Franco he did a beautiful piece then oh the first piece of the uh, Rachel Oxon uh, she's an amazing artist and unfortunately the, the zine is black and white and she always uses like beautiful colors but you can't see them it was just overwhelming in a, in a very good way to feel how you know literally like the power of coming together even if it was just for a small thing it, it made us feel like okay we're not alone we there's something we can all do and that there's probably a way we can deal with it because we're not we're not like so naive to think that we can change or overcome the, the system but at least we know that there's a place there's a community where we can uh, find shelter and try to do what we're trying to do in the best way we can yeah so i would like to end by asking you both guys what's your idea on the future of the community (laughs) for me personally i think it's got to be all about giving everyone a voice whether that's creating work that everyone has an input on or just having something that represents everyone's own story i think it's just giving everyone a platform and giving everyone a voice to be able to tell their story about their own life and their experience and letting that translate across to a wider scale i really hope like the future we look at least our western uh, society less white and more open more inclusive even like our own community you know the indie punk what diy whatever you want to call it like you know on paper we always about rights we always about everything but then when it comes to it it's, it's still like a industry it's still like oppressing it's still about having connection and it's still very much male and white and when i think about the future i always look at the past and trying to find examples and think we are in a way in a situation like it was in the early 80s when you know the because now there's this explosion again in in the UK so like the biggest bands are kind of like punk bands or whatever you want to call them like you know squid idols and all the stuff but they are huge and there's a lot of money going into that and everything in the 80s from that came out something like crux which for us is one of the main uh, inspiration we was not about that at all not about what punk became at that point so i kind of hope that in a way like these two years where we couldn't be together basically will make everyone feel like they need to be together again i don't know we can cut a lot of bullshit i'm not sure 
true, but I feel like I really hope we can create a space for everyone, literally everyone. Yeah, that's my hope. Well, we all hope it will happen at some point, but yeah, uh, it's a great point of view um, from both of you. Thanks a lot, guys, for being with us. I also wanted to mention that uh, uh, Quale Futuro is out for Maple Death Records and Felix Records. Yeah, artworks are great and the music is great as well and the idea behind it is super important. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You just listened to Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on Instagram at synesthesia underscore podcast.